Thank you, team. I believe that there were words for you there today. Leanne, speaking of God's love for us, and then Tania, speaking about the specifics that God in Christ is our breath and our life. Please accept those words because they were intended for you as much as they were for me. I'm reading from Revelation chapter 4 and you'll find it at page 1140 in the Bibles that are around the auditorium. So uh, chapter 4 of Revelation, page 1140, and the context is the great vision of God and who God is. And I want to particularly pick up five verses, 6 to 11. John has this vision, and we step into it at this point. In the center, he said, around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So why should we enter into the practice of praise? I mean, praise is pretty hard to kind of get a handle on at times, is it not? What is praise and why should we do it? Well, straight off, first off here, we're told that God has always been. Who was, who is, and is to come. The God who spans all time. The God who is the very life of earth. Praise to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his, says Daniel chapter 2. And Tom Wright, the theologian, has said, We praise God because... You are worthy, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for, but as Wright says, because 
because you created all things. It's the because that distinguishes us above all other creation. The because that we can reflect and understand the life and the love of God. We can see his workmanship at a level that the rest of creation, we suppose, cannot see and understand. What a privilege. What a mighty thing to have intuition. To respect and be invested in emotion. Good and bad. To know in all of that that we are most like God. This is what distinguishes us as human beings. The earth is the Lord, and everything in it, says Psalm 24. The heavens declare the praises of God. So in effect, Wright is saying, and and he declares it like this, we are real, genuine humans, human beings when we have this level of understanding and interaction, and yes, praise of God. How great it must have been for the readers of Revelation 4 and 5 when John wrote of the awesomeness of God, the mysterious God, the all-powerful God, the one who we know and understand. And the outlook of persecuted Christians at that time to whom Paul is writing was fairly bleak. As bleak, if not more bleak, than it is for us in the middle of a cold winter. In the midst of despair and bad news and ill health. But the psalmist says in Psalm 18, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I have been saved from my enemies. So you see, all of creation depends on and praises God. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 6, we have the strange image of four beasts or four animals, beasts, four creatures, Praising God as the Holy One, the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One for us all. And these four beasts, these four creatures, keep watch over the creation of God. And they declare daily adoring praise to God. They give praise to the God who is due all praise. Laurie Guy, the New Testament scholar, writes, The essence of the four living creatures is that they collectively embody the leading species of various types of creation. Man is exalted above the creatures, the eagles among birds, the ox among domestic animals, the lion among beasts. In effect... The writer is saying all creation, even the mightiest, even the greatest, 
even the ones on the top of the pecking order, all give praise to God and depend on God. Prophets, Moses, the psalmist, Miriam. Look up Exodus 15 if you want more about Miriam's praise. All generations, the early church, yes, Jesus Christ, the martyrs and the saints that have been and the saints that are and the saints that are to come, all offer worship as a sacrifice to God, an offering to the Lord. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. So says verse 11. So says you may, you may say to me, but why bother? Aren't we free of this God-bothering superstitious nonsense nowadays? We've got to get on with life. Life is a serious business. Isn't that a bit of a distraction to be worrying about praising God? He doesn't need it, surely. We've simply got to get on. But again, thinking of rights because. We praise God because God is good. Full stop. We praise God because his love endures forever. Who was, who is, and is to come. We praise God because his faithfulness continues even to our generation and beyond. Last week, Debbie and Jeff um, reminded us in the words of Derek Prince, we thank God for his goodness, we praise God for his greatness, we worship God for his holiness. Is that not reason enough for our praise? As I said, all praise is itself a sacrifice which pleases God. And we are meant to take pleasure in God. As human beings, the one who fashioned us has meant for us to take pleasure in him. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So says Hebrews 13. Why, why, why would we do it? Well, surely we are of one heart and mind with God when we're working off the same page. And if we're not working off God's page, if we are not reminded in praise of who he is, then can I suggest to you, brothers and sisters, then we are probably drifting off. We are pleasing ourselves. We are making decisions about our lives, which at the end of the day, when we look back, will probably be folly, foolishness, and may have got us into deep trouble. So, accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth. Teach me your laws. 
surely reason enough. And because God takes pleasure in his creation, we're told that God saw what he had made and it was very good. Because God takes pleasure in his creation, we are filled with a sense of anticipation, delight, day by day. We rejoice in his presence always. We link ourselves with all of creation the whole world, we are delighting in our human personhood. We are delighting in humankind. We're delighting in all that is about us, as we should, because. Here's that because again. Surely again, this is reason enough for praise. And the next because is this, that humankind was created to rejoice and find fulfillment in God. All creation depends on and praises God. In Psalm 100, wonderful psalm, I won't try and sing it to you, all people that on earth do dwell and all that, but I might sing for you in a moment. Um, Psalm 100, 4 and 5, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues again, here we have it, through all generations. How dependable is God? How good is How confident can we be about his goodness? Well, the psalmist says we should have every confidence. We should enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then again in the same psalm, we're reminded not to be full of pride. You know, this old refrain, well, we're big boys and girls now. We can look after ourselves. We are self-actualizing We are bringing into being goodness of our own kind. We have wisdom. Psalm 100 verse 3 reminds us, it is God who made us and we are his. So forget this foolish notion that we, we will bring it about. We can bring whatever about. And it's because we are freely able to accept all God's gifts and all the life he gives. We don't give ourselves. We hold nothing to ourselves as our own. We're told we are to enjoy and praise God. We are to enjoy the life that we have. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for people under the sun than to eat and drink. There we are. Has anyone told you you drink too much coffee or you eat too much lovely stuff? We are to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toils all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. That's us. Reason enough for praise? Surely. 
the because in you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things and by their will they were created, has everything to do with what God has done. Restoring, removing the chaos, the randomness of life. Oh, today, oh, oh. I don't know what today's going to be like. Oh, I don't know what I'll do. Oh, oh, look at the appalling state of affairs in the world. Oh, well, never mind. No. We have been tasked. We have been given life. We have been lifted into authority and responsibility and care for those about us, the most immediate, for those further away, yes, for the whole world. And surely this is reason enough for our praise. And another because. Because in Christ Jesus, God has come. God has returned to dwell amongst his people. We are no longer living in banishment or exile from God. The kingdom is restored to us. And there is restoration of God's joy in his presence. We can look forward with hope. We can look forward that all that we see that is broken at the moment will be and is being restored. The psalmist has written, when the time comes, and he was possibly, probably looking forward to the time of Jesus Christ who ushered in the return of God. When that time comes, at that time, at that time, then there will be restoration. In Psalm 96, Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before Yahweh, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. You know, Jesus never failed to praise his Father in heaven in Luke chapter 10. At that time, it's recorded, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. In other words, the message of the good news of the gospel is simple and is able to be received by any and all. So when we praise God, we proclaim our faith in him. We proclaim our dependence on him. We proclaim that we will reference him rather than go our own way alone. As for me, says the psalmist, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. So what does praise achieve? Praise removes loneliness. Even in the midst of our loneliness, we can praise God. Loneliness is estrangement, is separation from others, is estrangement 
in separation from God. And Jesus put the separation on notice. In the parable of the prodigal son, the writer speaks of how God has drawn there, run, as it were, with skirts lifted up, a loving father to embrace the son who is wayward, who has chosen to be separated, becomes lonely and impoverished. And in this parable, Jesus is saying, God is drawing very near. God is now intimate to you. God is not seeing you as one to be shunned or pushed away if you thought that was so. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, so says Hebrews chapter 10. So you see, our praise is a celebration of forgiveness, a celebration of the abundant life that Jesus said he promised in John chapter 10. Praise is also a reminder to us to remember God's attributes. Not a Dr. Neil Anderson has written in one of his books, when we worship God, we are ascribing to him his divine attributes. We do not worship God because he is an egomaniac who needs his ego stroked every Sunday morning. That is paganism. God does not need us to tell him who he is. He is fully secure within himself. We worship, we praise God because he truly is worthy and because we must keep the divine attributes of God constantly before us. Then we will live mentally and emotionally healthy lives by faith and live humbly dependent on him. And Dr. Michael Yusuf says that praise squares us up. Sorry, praise gives perspective to our lives. He writes, one of the greatest misconceptions concerning praise is that it is something we do for God. However, nothing could be further from the truth. God does not need our praise, but certainly he desires it. He knows when life takes an unexpected turn towards sorrow or when a serious illness lingers for months and even years. Praise has the ability to lighten our hearts and fill us with a sense of love and security that can only come from one place, heaven's throne. Praise squares us up with God. We need to know that we are vindicated. We need to know that we are made right. We need to know that we are established in life, in God. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6 declares, Glory to the one who loved us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. Glory and power be to him forever and ever. Amen. I was going to sing that verse to you out of my hymn book, but I've chickened out. But glory be to God the Father from that hymn. 
taken straight from Revelation chapter 1. The context of these verses in Revelation chapter 1 and 1 Peter chapter 2, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light is that within suffering, our own suffering, our community's suffering, even then, yes, even then, we are able to declare the praises of God. We are chosen, we are ordained, we are God's people filled with praise, with wonder about what he is and what he will do. And finally, praise in the ordinary. I love how Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the message puts it. I know it's only a paraphrase. But Peterson says, in his words, Romans chapter 12 says, every day in your ordinary life, you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. Do what? Be conformed to God. Praise God. Be cleansed. Be healed. Be powered up by God in your walking about every day. Well, you know, that's, that means that when I walk out of here, I'm a priest in Jesus Christ for God. I am ordained, and you're ordained, not just me. We are ordained to be the hands and feet of God, praising him, giving glory to him, even while we suffer. You know, a blind man was restored to sight. Luke records that immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. What was he doing? Praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So could it be that in our ordinary walking about, sleeping uh, life, we are signs to others the praise of God? Eighteen months ago now, our son Nathan died. And I could spend my time feeling bitter that we lost him. Or... I could enjoy what God has given. Firstly, wonderful memories of a young man who loved his Lord. Secondly, the songs, worship songs that particularly Jill has introduced me to since has caused me to give praise and thanks to God that life is like this, that in the midst of suffering and pain, there is also joy, there is reflection, there is understanding of the depth and breadth of God's goodness and love. And so praise sometimes almost, for me anyway, feels inadequate. I don't have words, I don't have songs, I don't sing in tune. But this is our life in him. So what does praise achieve in us? Well, 
we are caused to remember God's wonderful attributes. If this is God, then surely life has taken a turn for the absolute better. Secondly, if we are living in dependence on God, then I'm not flying solo any longer. I can seek his wisdom. I can, through the Holy Spirit, seek his guidance. I can be stopped from making a right fool of myself at times. Thirdly, there's a renewed sense of gladness. This is a glorious day. It may be pouring outside. The temperatures can be minus. But the fullness of life, the rich tapestry of life that I have is a blessing from God and I praise his name for it. It is a good day. And praise enables us to appropriate the fact that we are real, genuine human beings. Because we're walking with God. Because we're not walking on our own. Because we are not living in any sense of pride that, oh, look what I've done. And praise means that we are drawn into intimate relationship with a God who delights in our praise. We are not alone. I thought of an illustration, and Jill was watching a YouTube uh, commentary on the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, as she was, at some event with the Queen. And they were having a good old chinwag and a bit of a laugh. Years ago, that's not the Queen we seem to know. The queen was over here, powerful, formal, stately. The queen we see nowadays is somewhat different. And I thought that's a good reflection of our relationship with a God who loves us intimately and loves a joke with us, cries with us, who enjoys the lighter moments of life. And the final word, goes to the psalmist again. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre. I think you talked about that a moment ago, a while ago. And the melody of the harp, Psalm 92. Whether we feel like it or not, praise that glorifies God, is worthy of who he is. We're going to sing a song now. It's your breath in my lungs. Praise in our lungs. We are his. I love this, this song, this final song. Let's appropriate it for ourselves. Let's grab it for ourselves. Thanks. Thanks, team.